0: It really was a pleasure yesterday to have uh, Stuart and Irene Bell with us in two of our grand opening services and Paul and Priscilla Reed. Uh, They're really good friends of ours. Paul said last night some beautiful things about buildings as well and that's why we've got the worship conference next week. We want to permeate this place with worship uh, and every Sunday but any opportunity we can be filled with the presence of God. So do book in for that. We'd love to see you there. But when we booked Paul and Priscilla to do the dedication, we, we spoke together, Angie and I, about who should speak the next day. And we were very purposeful and have been very purposeful in asking Priscilla to speak today for two reasons. One is she's a gift to the church in her prophetic ministry, she's a gift. The second is, and hear this right, don't, don't manipulate my words, it's because she's a woman. And we wanted to say something in having the first guest speaker ever to C3 to be a woman. Because the church has got it wrong, historically, very wrong, about men and women in ministry. And we have to make sure we get the future right. Even us as a church in our history, we got some things wrong in regards to women in leadership and ministry. Now, this can never be tokenism because that is wrong as well. It has to be in relation to gift and calling and that they together, us together, men and women together, lead because of call and gift. And so we're making a statement in making our first guest speaker Priscilla Reed. She's anointed, she's called, and we love her. Would you please welcome Priscilla Reed. Thanks so much, Dave. thanks.
1: Thank you so, so much, Steve. You have no idea how excited I am to be here. It's just so wonderful to see the building, to see you guys filling it. I mean, I love visiting friends when they've you know, moved into a new house. So that's exactly what this this feels like. And you've got the keys to your new house, and here we are. And it's just such a privilege to be with you this weekend. And because it is your new house, I really felt like just as you were given physical keys, I'm sure it was so exciting for Steve and Angie to get those physical keys put in their hands for this building. I really believe that the Lord wanted me to talk to you today about the keys of the house. And then yesterday when I got my goodie bag, right in the bottom of the bag was a key ring. And so I was really excited about, I do get excited quite a lot. I was really excited about that and uh, that, that, you know, God had put it in my heart to talk to you about keys, and there you had a key ring at the bottom of the bag. Um, I do lose my keys an awful lot. And last year, my lovely husband, Paul, bought me a new car. And I think he was more excited about it than I was, but don't tell him that. And um, it's one of those cars you know you don't need the key to open the door and you don't need the key to get the engine going you just have to walk up to it and as long as the key is on you somewhere it opens and then it goes and it's fantastic so I don't have this rigmarole of trying to find my keys all the time except that it does have to be on your person or in your your bag and I've so many bags that it sometimes still gets mislaid I'm running in and in the house with different handbags going is this the one is this the one Um <laughs> So I do lose my keys a lot. And the other thing is, I have a little bowl in my kitchen that is full of keys. And I haven't got a clue what any of them are for. They've just piled up over the years. And so I really want to say to you today, God has put some keys in your hands as a church. And it's really important that you don't lose them and you don't forget what they're for Because these keys are important keys and they carry with them a spiritual authority. It's linked to what Jesus talked about in Matthew when he talked about the keys of the kingdom. And I just want to simply read one verse to you in Matthew chapter 16 and verse 19. And this is what Jesus said. I will give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven. Whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven, and whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. The keys of the kingdom. And we're not going to unpack that verse today, but I just want to take that to say, God has given you kingdom keys. And he is calling you as a church to be a key church in this community. But a church is made up of people. So God is also calling you to be key people. And you sometimes when you mention that someone's a key person, oh, you know, in a business, you might say, oh, that person's a key person. It's sort of slightly elitist. Well, that's not the sense in which I mean it today. And I don't think it's what the Holy Spirit is saying. He's saying every single one of you is a key person. You know, are you a parent or a grandparent? Then you're a key person. Are you in business? Are you a nurse? Are you a teacher? You're a key person. Are you a friend? Then you're a key person. Are you a follower of Jesus? Then you're a key person. And I look back to key people in my life, my own mom and you've referred to your mom this morning, Steve, who's here, a key person in my life. I remember the lady who led me to Jesus, a key person, someone when I was in university, an IFE's worker who believed in me and, and really challenged me and, and called out the potential in me, a key person in my life. And God is looking for key people who will play that role in the life of others and call out the potential in them. He's looking for those key people in education and health and the media, in every walk of life, to bring the values of the kingdom of God to wherever God has placed you. He's looking for people who use the keys that God has placed in their hands to unlock doors and to bring freedom and release. It's for all of us, but together we are the church. You know, the New Testament describes the church as a family, but it also describes us as God's house. And we have this amazing building to celebrate this weekend. And you and I know that this is a resource to facilitate all that God has called you to. This isn't the house of God. You are the house of God. And as a body, God has given you keys. And it's keys That he's placed in your hand so that you can impact this city. You will impact more than this city. You'll go beyond the walls of this city. And you will also impact nations. But I ask the Lord to just highlight to me the keys. These aren't the only keys he's given you. But to highlight some of the keys that he's placed in the hands of C3. And the first one that immediately came to mind was worship. God has placed a worship key in your hand. I remember visiting, you know, in the early days, and it was very clear that that was a very important aspect of who you were as a church. Worship is a key that keeps us focused on God, that it continually reminds us, Lord, it's all about you. And we have heard that over and over again this weekend. In worship, We are reminded of who God is and what a great God we're in relationship with and who we serve. But we're also reminded about our identity and who we are. And that is so important. You know, um, that song we sang yesterday, I'm no longer a slave to fear. I am a child of God. That's our identity. And so in worship, we are reminded of that who you are God, but who I am as your child. And there is a spiritual dynamic to worship. This isn't just about singing amazing songs and having amazing musicians who are using their talents to bless us. There's something more going on in worship. There is a spiritual battle going on because we do believe that we have a real enemy called Satan and that he is opposing the church and he is opposing all that we seek to do in this city and in this nation in worship we not only declare to God who he is and who we believe him to be but we declare it to the principalities and powers and we push them back in order to make room for God's kingdom to grow you know people will drive past this building in fact they're already doing it our driver last night brought us from the airport and as we were driving up he said I saw it going up. He says I didn't know what it was. I thought it was a nightclub and uh, he couldn't believe it was a church and that's what's going to happen. People are going to drive past and and they're going to to see the building and ask questions and to be truthful they're going to be impressed. They're going to be impressed at what has been built. They're going to be impressed by the work that you do for the city but ultimately Our goal is that they would see our good works and glorify our Father in heaven. So worship has got to be key. You know, the Holy Spirit is present when we worship and that can't be replicated by the world. We are the ones that can help people be put in touch with the Father's heart as we worship God together. And we have amazing musicians, but you know what? The thing that I remember most about coming to C3, I think it was the very first time, was as I looked at your worship band, they were all worshiping. They were excellent musicians. They were doing a great job. But you know we get to travel and, and, and see a lot of churches. I think it was the first time that in our types of churches, I looked at a stage full of musicians and every single one of them were worshiping the Lord. They weren't just playing their instruments. You even get bass players who worship God. I mean, that's a miracle. <laughs> I saw you. You were, do- and you know what? Then these two guys over here, who you can't even see, the sound guys, they were going for it with everything that they had, and it was fantastic to see that. In fact. You know, you are more than sound guys in the natural. God says to you, you are sound guys in the spiritual. Sound in the sense that your hearts are resonating with the kingdom of God. There's a resonating that goes on in your life, and God says, wherever I have placed you, that touches lives. You're more than sound guys just making sure that they can hear me this morning. You're going to be used by the Lord so that people will hear the sounds of the kingdom of God. You've been given a worship key, guard it well. It's a key that is really important. You've also been given a truth key, a key of truth that releases captives, helps people find their purpose and destroys the lies of the enemy. Key people help others encounter God's truth and expose the lies that they have believed. And all of us at times listen to the lies of Satan and embrace them instead of living by the truth of what God's word says to us. And you know, my sympathy isn't enough for you, or even my empathy isn't enough for you. We need to help people encounter the truth of the word of God because it has power and it has an authority that we can't have simply by our own words. That's why when we worship this morning and we, we sang that song about the word and holding on to God's word, that was so important. If it's just my opinion, it holds no power, but it's the truth of God's word key people use the truth of God's word to release other people from prisons of judgment, prisons that, where they've been labeled and boxed in and set them free to be who God has created them to be. You know, in Roman times, if you had committed a crime and you were put in prison, they nailed on your cell door a list of your crimes. But when you served your sentence, It was, the paper was taken to the judge and he wrote over it tetelestai. I don't even know if I'm pronouncing it right, but that word tetelestai was written over your crimes. And what that meant was paid in full. And when you were released from prison, if anybody challenged you about being free when you were a criminal, you could pick up your parchment and say, no, I've paid my debt. Here, it's paid in full. In ordinary life, if you paid a bill in those days, they wrote tetelestai over it, paid in full. An artist, if he finished a magnificent painting, would step step back and say, tetelestai, that it was finished. Jesus declared it on the cross. We sang it this morning, it is done. It is finished, tetelestai. It is the truth of God's word that we can now embrace the truth of Romans 8 verse 1. There is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. God's masterpiece of redemption has been finished and you have been bought with a price. And he sees you as his masterpiece. You're unique. You are dearly loved. And we need key people in our lives to help us see that, embrace it, and walk into our full, unique calling and the gifts that God has given us. You know, in today's world, people struggle with objective truth. They say there's no such thing. It might be true for you, but it's not true for me. We no longer trust our politicians, our financial institutions, the media to speak truthfully. But as Christians, we believe in revealed truth. It's not just something that we've made up and we think is a good idea. It was God who took the initiative and revealed himself to us in the person of Jesus Christ. And it is his truth that breaks open prison doors and lets people walk free with it is finished written over their lives. You see, you can't rely on subjective truth because your truth this morning, what you might be hearing in your head this morning, which to you seems true, You might be hearing something like, I'm a failure. I'm worthless. There's no hope for me in my life. I'm just a waste of space. If that is your truth, me just simply sympathizing with you won't make any difference. But when you hear the revealed truth of God's word and what it says about you, it can nail that lie once and for all. That you are God's masterpiece. That you have been forgiven. And as far as God is concerned, the past is forgotten. That you get a new beginning in Christ Jesus. That you are a new creation. You can be strong in God. That you can do all things through Christ who strengthens you. That you're accepted in Christ. And oh, that you're loved with an everlasting love. That is revealed truth. And that nails the lie. And God wants to take the truth and that we would be key people and ask God for those key words to speak over your own life, but to speak over the lives of other people. Sunday by Sunday, Steve, Angie, others of your preaching team come here and model this out to you. They speak out to you the truth of what is in God's word, but it's not a Sunday morning only activity. We can take the truth of it into our everyday lives and speak God's key words of truth over one another to set each other free and that we can be the people that God has called us to be. Again, you've modeled this out over the years with Angie's work with women particularly in Breathe and the programs that you've run for women in the city where they have believed lies about themselves for so long and the truth of God's word has set people free. But there's so many more people who need the liberating truth of the word of God. And God says, don't lose that key. Keep using it. Keep it well oiled. And you will see so many more released from that sense of hopelessness. And very closely linked to the truth key is the good news key. God has put a good news key in your hand because you know key people connect people with their king we use the key we open the door and we say here's our king he's jesus and we introduce them to him paul the apostle said in the new testament that he wasn't ashamed of the gospel because it was the power of god that would bring salvation to everyone who believes i just feel in the church at the minute god is stirring us to reclaim and lay hold again of the truth that the good news really is good news. Because so often the church is presented in negative terms. And that is the work of the enemy because we've got the best news in all of the world. And God has put that key in your hand. I believe he wants us to have a fresh confidence in the good news that declares. I mean, who else has a message like this? God knows you, God loves you, he loves you unconditionally and he wants to give you a new beginning and it requires the power of God because Paul said to the Corinthians you know I didn't come to you to try and sort of argue you into this with wise and persuasive words I came with a demonstration of the Spirit's power. That's the key you and I have in our hands we can share the good news with others. And, you know, I am one of those people that over the years when people would have come to our church and spoke about, well, we always, you know, you used the label evangelism. somebody was an evangelist well that scared me witless I mean from I was and I've been a Christian for many years honestly it used to I and then I'd feel so guilty I'm so bad at that I'm so bad at sharing the good news I don't do it enough and oh dear you know and you hear these stories of people sitting beside people in airplanes and leading them to Jesus and I'm going I don't want to speak to anybody on an airplane and um So I've always beat myself up about it, but it's taken me this long to realize, and the Lord's been really challenging me about it. He said, Priscilla, can you be a friend to someone? Yeah, I can do that, God. Well, then if you're a friend, you just tell your story because your story and my story are linked, and then you get to share the good news with people. Just be a friend. Tell your story. You have a story to tell that will impact people's lives because your story holds the good news of the liberating power of the gospel. You know, this building is a large building. It's so evident in the city. It's been exciting to see it going up. But I believe more than a prophetic symbol to the city, it's a prophetic symbol to you that God is reminding you to keep this key to hand because the largeness of this building is because it's simply a nursery. He's grown your nursery so that you can have a whole lot more babies. And as we share our stories, God is promising you that you are going to have so many more spiritual babies come and fill this space. Good news key. But then the fourth key is a prayer key all of this would not have been possible unless there were people who prayed who sacrificed time in order to pray and can I just say please keep it central to all that you do prayer has got you to this place and prayer is the key to the future of C3 You know, when you've been in the middle of a battle, and you've been fighting, and you've been stretched every which way, and then you start to see God make your dreams and visions become a reality, and that's what's happened for you, there is a temptation to take a breather. And you know, it's okay. This weekend should be about celebration, taking a deep breath, not letting the moment pass, enjoying every moment of it. But you cannot let this prayer key fall into disuse. I think it happened to us in Northern Ireland. You know, at the height of the troubles, we really cried out to God. We prayed. We were, you know, just literally prostrate on our faces before the Lord, crying out for him to do something in our country. And then when the peace process came, we all took a breath. And it's not perfect, and we still got humps and bumps along the road. But you know, it's much harder these days to motivate people to pray about that because it was such a battle. I would say to you, yes, take a deep breath, but push on through with your prayer key. People have sewed into this moment for you. And the challenge is, will you sow in to the next decades and the next generations so that they can live in the good of prayers that are prayed today? Because you're living in good of the prayers that were prayed yesterday. And you know, it does. There is a cost to it. But God says, don't lose your prayer key. Because you see, your prayers can go across this city. Your prayers can go into places that you would never maybe even get to be your prayers can make a difference. And I would say to you as an individual, ask the Lord what your prayer key is. What's my prayer key? What do you want me to give myself to praying praying for? For me personally, it's prodigals. I've got prodigals in my own family. And last year, I've got a whole list of them that I pray for regularly. And last year I was complaining to the Lord and saying, there's not too many of them falling off this list. God, I'm getting, you know, I need a bit of encouragement here. And then I really felt them say to me, Priscilla, I have given you a prayer key for prodigals. And every time you mention their name to me, that key goes in the lock and you open the door and then they get to choose to go out of that prison and back to the father's house. And so that's what I visualize every time I pray one of those names. Lord, I'm using my prayer key. What's your prayer key? Don't lose it. Use it confidently and effectively in order that people can be released. Because then when we use our prayer keys, individuals, families, situations, mindsets, communities, and even nations can be changed as we cry freedom over them. And finally, the last key is generous gratitude. And that is a key that God has placed in the hands of c 3 And it's a wonderful, wonderful key. It's not just gratitude. It's generous gratitude. Because gratitude always leads to generosity. We are sitting here this morning, or it's this afternoon by now, because of the generous gratitude of this church family. And Steve and Angie are so right to be proud of you and all you have sacrificed to make this happen. But it was because of your gratitude to God for all that he poured into your life that you generously gave so that others could experience what you have experienced. Keep that key to hand. You see, it's not hard to find it today. It's right there in your hand, in your pocket. It's not hard to find. But it doesn't take you to be a prophet to say that there will be days ahead when it might not just come so easily to hand. There will be days ahead that are more difficult. That's the time to use your gratitude key like never before. Because when you use that key, it keeps the door shut to bitterness. It keeps the door shut to resentment. And it keeps the door shut to fear. What does it say in Philippians? You know that as we present our request to the Lord with thanksgiving, That God will allow his peace to come and stand guard over our minds and over our hearts. And as we maintain that spirit of gratitude, then we keep those doors firmly shut on fear and bitterness. But gratitude, as I said, always leads to generosity. And you have modeled that out. And God says, keep using that key we've just come back from Oregon and we were staying in a place called Eugene which actually isn't that far from that terrible tragedy that took place this week there but in Eugene in Oregon there's a huge fan base for a band called the Grateful Dead which I don't get at all I've even tried to listen to some of the music it doesn't do it for me but they have got this great you know fan base so you sort of see it all over the city and i was thinking about this and i thought you know the dead aren't grateful we are the grateful living and it's not just because there's breath in our bodies but if you know jesus you have been made alive in christ and we are the grateful living and the grateful living can't li- can't live narrow status quo lives the grateful living will will make a difference. It's not that knee-jerk gratitude that we sometimes feel. You know, if we see a tragedy, even, you know, recently with the whole refugee crisis, and I look at those mothers, and I look at those babies, and, you know, when I get to tuck my grandchildren in, I'm going, God, thank you that they're safe, and thank you that they don't have to face these things. And sometimes that's a bit of a knee-jerk reaction in terms of gratitude. Even, you know, I often find it when I come home from an overseas trip from, somewhere like India or Africa and I'm you know washing my hands or taking a drink of water and I'm going God thank you thank you for water that comes out of a tap and thank you that it's drinkable or I even sit on my loo and go thank you for my toilet God and but I forget about it in a week you know one week home I don't thank God for clean water I don't thank God for my loo anymore God doesn't want that kind of knee-jerk gratitude. He wants a gratitude that causes us to live large lives. And I really believe that that's what the Lord is saying to you, C3. He's a large God. And the world cannot belittle him. The world cannot diminish him. And he doesn't want us to live diminished lives. He says, C3, live large in this city. Live large with what I have poured into you. He's given you a large home. And he says, live large with generosity. Live large with practical involvement in people's lives. Live large with hope and large with grace because your voice is growing stronger. It's growing stronger and stronger. And as God opens doors of greater influence for you, he says, live large. I read this recently too by a woman called Anne Voskamp. She said, the grateful are the fuel of world change. The grateful are the fuel of world change. What change when we use our gratitude key? We can see people released. We can live large. We can show people what a great God we serve. The key to our future in the church, in our communities, in our cities, in our nation is that well, we will play our role as being key people of the kingdom of God. That you will be a key church in this city. Not losing or misplacing or forgetting what your keys are for, but using them to further the kingdom of God. And so as the worship band come and join me and we finish this morning, I want to give you a moment to root around in your pocket or your handbag for some keys. If you've got some keys, to just find them. Because yesterday we dedicated this wonderful building to the Lord. Today I feel we want to dedicate ourselves We want to say thank you, Lord, for this building. But Lord, we also want to freshly dedicate ourselves to you as key people. You have put keys in my hand, Lord. I may not be even quite sure what they are this morning, but I'm going to find out from you what they are. And then I'm going to use them effectively for you and your kingdom. As a church, we dedicate ourselves to taking these keys and holding on to them and treasuring them and guarding them in order to make an impact on our city. We're going to take our keys and dedicate dedicate them to the Lord. And you know, I do sense that there may be some of you here and you have just completely lost your keys. That sense of, you know, I'm not walking with God anymore. I'm, you know, I, I just lost my keys. God says this morning's time to find them again, to get them out again and say, God, I dedicate myself to you afresh. Today. If you would like to stand with me, if you would like to take your keys and just offer them up, just a little physical symbol of what we're doing in the spiritual, and say, Father, here we are. Lord, we just thank you for this amazing home that you've given us. But Lord, we are the house of God, and you have put keys in our hands, and we give these keys back to you as we give ourselves back to you and say Lord we would be those key people we would be those key people tomorrow wherever you have placed us in this city or outside of the city we would be the ones who bring in the kingdom of God we would be the ones who do not lose our keys but use them effectively for you and Lord for those who've had a sense of losing their keys that they will just take hold perhaps in the physical today of keys that were in their pocket and say God I want to find my keys again and I want to give myself to you afresh. Lord here we are we offer ourselves to you afresh this morning in dedication to your service and all for your glory in Jesus name.